Going beyond the headlines? Getting to the heart of the story. Calgary Today with Joe McFarland on 770 CHQR. and salutations friends happy thursday and welcome to i've lost count already i think this is the fourth edition of the yyc roundtable featuring counselors evan woolley drew farrell and george chahal all welcome to the program thank you for having us thank you i've had a lot of fun doing these because what it's allowed for us to do is get outside the typical 12 or 15 second sound bite and allow you to go with a little bit more context But the last time around, uh, I opened up with a question just for transparency's sake. And I know that we're still, you know, a year, year and a half away from a municipal election. But I'm going to ask straight up, how many of you are looking and thinking and considering a run for the mayoral seat in the next election? Just a simple yes or no across the board. No. 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 At All right. Now, at, oh, so he le- <laughs> he leaves a little bit of an, an out there. It's, I guess we'll see. No, and, and part of the reason why I asked that question right off the bat is is contextually in the next year, people are going to be going, is this grandstanding as a mayoral candidate or is this grandstanding for the people? Right? Because that's we're in that window now. So that's, I wanted to get out of the that out of the way first and foremost. So let's get into... The other news of the day, obviously a lot of talk around the council table now surrounding Councillor Maglioka expenses at FCM. Um, Let's start off really clear, pointed question on this one around the board again. Do you believe the Councillor Maglioka needs to step down? No. We need to conduct an independent investigation. And the result of that investigation should determine... um, a certain outcome the the province would be in charge of removing a member of council council doesn't have that power to remove another colleague uh, but we really don't have enough information at this point yeah i agree with my uh, colleagues at this point it's uh you know the councillor did come out and apologize for some of his actions but we do need to conduct a an independent investigation and review what's occurred here and how do we solve some of these issues moving forward What's the feeling around the room now with the integrity commissioner then? I, I, it's disappointing. We rely on the integrity commissioner to provide that oversight. And so now we have to, to engage a third party, independent reviewer, investigator. And, and so that's still to be discussed by council. I, I think uh, Mr. Lavecchio was an extremely well-respected judge in this province who has given uh, a career to serving the citizens of this province. I think it's unfortunate some of the dialogue that's been happening over the last number of days, um, but I think council is looking forward to, to sitting down and talking to him. Yeah, I think it's extremely important that we take a look at this. Um, um, the integrity commissioner has had a very distinguished career and, um, you know, over 20 years um, as, a, as a judge and as a you know, strong code of ethics. And so it's unfortunate that it's, we've come to this point and uh, he's involved in these conversations. But we do need to look at, once again, um, the processes that are involved and whether we should be having these conversations um, with one another. Um, it's important to do so, but there's also that uh, line we need to draw at certain points on uh, when we do discuss or meet with uh, counsel when you're... Uh, 
in that position. Do we need to revisit the expenses side of things? Do we need to kind of maybe make rules a little clearer? I, I, I've cited over the last couple of days, no more on the alcohol front. Like that's something that I think taxpayers across the city will say, listen, this has got to be off the books entirely now. Well, we already have rules and, and they should be followed. Let, let me state that every member of council is concerned about, about this. We're not taking mm-hmm. it lightly. And, and we, but we need to be thoughtful and measured in how we approach this. But as far as the, the rules are concerned, I, I would like to remove alcohol. That's a contemporary, uh, large companies would never ex- allow you to expense alcohol. But even if we do improve the rules and oversight, which I think that we should, there, there's always the potential for someone to go around those rules and break those rules. So what we want is integrity and ethics in politics in all walks of life. And that's the least we should, should expect. Yeah, I mean, I, w- I would echo that. We have uh, some significant code of conduct, respectful workplace uh, expense account policies. We are governed by uh, by um, uh, a set of policies that ha- have worked for us in the past. Um, and that said, that th- you can break rules, and we we know that, and I'm sure all your li- listeners know that, and in in their in their workplaces, and and it's and it's disappointing sometimes because again, the vast majority uh, of council, um, uh, we work together every day. Uh, to serve the citizens of the city. We work to improve our governance and transparency and accountability. And if there's ways that we can do better and, and the citizens are asking for that, um, I believe that that is, should absolutely be on the table. It is the YYC Roundtable featuring Councillors Chahal, Farrell, and Wooly. And uh, Councillor Chahal, I kind of cut you off because we've been going around kind of in a good circle, and I, I like that. Um, from that standpoint, just to kind of reiterate the question again for those who just tuned in is, where do we kind of go from here? Obviously, because I mean, we have questions around not only the councillor, but also um, the integrity commissioner as well. Well, I, we all have obligations um, with how we conduct ourselves in the public, and it's important to um, restore public confidence and trust in the work we do. And we need to take it upon ourselves as individual councillors to make sure that we are conducting ourselves in the appropriate manner when it comes to our office budgets, um, whether we're out in the public. And I think that's extremely important that we have, that we are accountable and transparent with the the work we do. How unfortunate is this situation, just given the fact that there are big, I don't call it bigger fish to fry, because I don't want to diminish what's going on, what the Calgary Herald did go and report on. But at the same time, where you you as a councillor having to deal with the current budgetary situation, you're working on trying to cut costs. And frankly, there's going to be probably jobs on the line as well. I think that's the biggest issue for me is we need to lead by example. And we have been cutting. Calgarians, um, people who work at the city have been losing their jobs. We had significant layoffs. We're asking our staff to do more with less. And so we need to demonstrate the same level of expertise and professionalism and ethics that we expect from our city staff. How do we get to, and let's segue into that, the tax story and the dollar story and every, how do we get to this point where the city's talking about finding efficiencies and cutting and that while also asking, you know, business owners and property owners to shell out a little bit more cash? Well, we have a, a lot of tough choices to make. I mean, for me coming in as a new counselor, 
um, from the private sector. Um, you know, for me, it was extremely important to really take a hard look at everything we're doing with the economic times and to make those tough choices. I mean, um, you know, they're tough across the board. I mean, I want to support many initiatives that many of my counselors are doing, and they're always bringing forward great initiatives, but it's at the, the cost of doing something else. And then the challenges we're facing with the structural challenges we've been facing with our um, assessment situation and uh, taxation uh, across the province. So I think there's a number of uh, different conversations that we need to have and, and we need to balance our priorities with um, the times of the day. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a very interesting discussion because it's one that we haven't uh, really had to face as a city in, in most of my life. I mean, I, I, I was born in Calgary in 1980 and it has been a rocket ship uh, for most of my life. And the oil and gas wealth that was created, uh, and we continue to create, but uh, that, the days of that level of wealth coming into our coffers both at the provincial level and, and, and subsequently at the city level, is over. And all of that wealth that we created created an incredible level of service. So what's interesting is, as well, it's important that we're reducing budgets, that we're finding efficiencies because we have to in order to survive. Citizens are still demanding some of those levels of service, mm-hmm. right? We, we had that cold snap. Uh, pipes are breaking that need to be replaced. Roads need to be cleared. Buses need to run. And citizens uh, are demanding also uh, those levels of service. And I think it's a part of that thoughtful conversation is what, what is the cost of delivering a service and, 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 are, and are people willing to pay for that? We run a very good company. Um, it's a company that has to change uh, because it's only been a company of growth. And uh, we're working hard at that. But we also need to have conversations in our communities and with citizens about what level of service they're willing to pay for. Councillor Farrell, you've been around the table a while, and I wanted to ask this one of you specifically because uh, I've asked this of other councillors as well. Did we put off big hits to not only taxpayers, but also the business community on the property tax side of things for too long? And the reason be, and all, well, why I ask that is there have been years where uh, administration will come in with three different options like they did this last time around. And instead of going worst case scenario or best case scenario, however you see fit, it was always middle of the road. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of buffered the subsequent that year or the next couple of years. And then all of a sudden it's finally kind of that buffering is kind of caught up to us now. It's called a bow wave. And that can be um, with with services where we delay life cycle maintenance, for example. You you can delay that for so long Mm -hmm. and then you absolutely have to invest. We've been doing that for many years, and and there's a point where you have to invest or or sell off some of your assets. It, it's it's I think a bigger bigger discussion that we need to have. We have built a very expensive city. It's a very spread out city, mm-hmm. and we know that that's going to hit us, and we continue to do it. So we've added a number of new communities. The absorption rate is slower than we anticipated. And we're paying for that. So a good portion of our taxes, tax increase this year, was for growth that we perhaps could have um, done a bit more, a bit smarter. We know that there's going to be a, a big financial hit for that. We're, we're analyzing how much that'll be. It, it, it could be a, 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 the range of about $16 billion if we 
continue to grow over a period of time um, the way we have been. So we need to be smarter around that. Uh, but but there there's a cost of doing business. And, and as Evan said, Calgarians want more and they want it with less. We continue to try and build in efficiencies. There's a point in time we have to ask what kind of city we want. We're losing young people. Mm-hmm. They're ages between 20 and 24. People are leaving. We need to ask young people, what kind of city do you want to live in? And then build a city with them in mind. There's there's a lot of nuances to this discussion. And in the meantime, we have a tax system that's really brittle, that's not responsive mm-hmm. to these changes in the marketplace. And I think that's what you're seeing right now is this brittleness in our tax system and its inability to adjust to this big shift that we're seeing. How difficult is it to manage a shift while also managing the day-to-day? Well, I, I think it, we, we have responsibilities that we do have to manage day-to-day and they were managing the shift, but we have another issue that's coming before us in the near future is the technology and innovation and the impact on our workplace. I think we really have to consider and be um, and tackle that moving forward as well. So that's going to change a lot in, uh, in our economy. Um, so we, we, we have to plan for the future and invest in the future and the long term of the city, but also um, deal with the challenges that we're facing today. And, you know, whether it be the oil and gas industry or diversification, I think we need to have a broader discussion here um, at the city, the province, even nationally on what the future looks like and what are we going to do moving forward, whether it's investing in, uh, in education and other opportunities that may arise. Is that a matter of bridging gaps between the different levels of government and, and especially given that it's so politically partisan hot right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, this last number of years has been particularly difficult for me. I, I, I always kind of self-identify as a staunch moderate. And one of the one of the great things about being a city councillor is, you know, you're, you're not beholden to a party system. And I think uh, one of the things I've liked about my own constituencies is that they've wanted me to make uh, the best decisions based on the best information with a feedback loop mm-hmm. in the neighbourhoods. And... Uh, uh, I'll tell you, I, 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 I've, I've, I have struggled uh, with the seething anger and the rhetoric and the ability, inability, particularly over the last few years, uh, in, in terms of people just were willing to sit down, roll up their sleeves and work, work together to figure out what we're going to do to make this incredible province that we've built uh, over the last many, many decades, uh, what we're going to do to make sure that it remains successful for our children and grandchildren. It is the YYC Roundtable featuring councillors Farrell, Woolley, and Chahal here on Calgary today. The fourth installment, I want to say. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but they've been a lot of fun so far. And we've, we've talked a little bit about um, the, the situation around the FCM and Councillor Maglioka. We've also talked about the tax side of it. I wanted to get into the partisan politics side of things as well. Because there is that that growing sentiment that it's Nenshi's crew versus the good guys or vice versa. right? Like it's It's gotten to that point, which is weird given that you have 15 distinct voices on the ta- around the table. I, I got to just tell one quick story, and I use this story a lot. So, Councillor Demong and I have shared an office wall for the, my six years on council, and Councillor Demong is a very conservative councillor. And I remember when I first got elected, Jim Councillor Stevenson said to me, "Go and have lunch with councillors and tell them what you want to do, and and uh, get to know them a bit better." So I went and sat down with Councillor Demong, and I said, "You know, like well, I'm Evan Woolley. Like, well, what are you what are you interested in doing?" And he said, "Evan, I see my job on city council as." 
spending as little money as we possibly can. <laughs> and I had been elected on this list of all of these things I wanted to get billed and do. And I remember just kind of sleek, secretly sliding this piece of paper back <laughs> to my pocket. But it's an important story because the vast majority of this council, no matter what your political views, there's just an amount of work to get done. And in the party system, you kind of have the leader and his crew and the cabinet. And they kind of do all their legwork and the rest of the people kind of bumble about in the background mm-hmm. doing their, their work or whatever. But there's a lot of work to do as city councillors. And we have worked very well across the aisle to do the work at council. And I have found, in my experience, those at council that would like to bring uh, a partisan politics uh, are neither good at governance uh, nor good at getting along and getting the work done that we need to get done, which gets the buses running on time, gets the water out, and gets us mowing our lawns and our parks. How challenging is it from the standpoint you're hearing more and more rumblings about, oh, we're going to bring in slates, and no one has said we're going to be a part of a slate yet, but we'll see when the time comes. But you mentioned the point about you sitting down with uh, with Councillor DeMung, and I sit there and I go, in a bunch of slates, how often would that happen? That would guarantee you the answer would be never. Yeah, and I don't think it's a good idea. I think the best part of our governance model is that we're all independents can have these conversations. I've been on uh, the different side of many votes on the same side as my colleagues and on the opposite side. And I consider myself a moderate or a penny-pinching progressive, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe. Um, But I think it's important to evaluate from all of our experiences in life and bring them to the table and really have an open mind on the issues we see and some of that uh, issues that impact our ward and the city um, as well. But those life experiences and the things we learn along the way um, being, you know, whether in the left or the right or being partisan does not help us achieve the goals we need to achieve. Solutions aren't based on left and right politics. They're based on informed decision-making. And I think that's extremely important. So I'm hoping Moving forward, our council uh, in the, our municipality and others remain as they are, that we're not aligned with political parties um, like in other jurisdictions. And you know, if you look at Calgary, it's a very big city. It's a uni mm-hmm. city. And there's so much diversity within Calgary. So our wards, we reflect our wards and we, we bring the local wisdom to the table. And with a partisanship, you lose some of that nuance. Mm-hmm. And so we, the, you know, certain communities have different aspirations than others, and we need to recognize that. I kind of figured this question would come in at some point, and I'm glad it did because it, it segues into the Green Line discussion. And one of our texters says a couple of questions on that. How can we support $125,000 per meter Green Line? I don't know if that's the actual dollar figure, but the sentiment is still the same. It's a really expensive project at this particular juncture. And how successful was the West Line? So we'll start with the first one. How do you support a project that's got as big of a price tag as is attached right now? I think public transit is extremely important for Calgarians. It brings equity amongst all Calgarians. It gives an opportunity for social mobility. And I think for my ward, I mean, it's uh, critical. Public transit, the blue line, I mean, and the ridership's very strong. And we have a lot of people, the trains are full in the morning. The trains are also full in the evening coming into downtown uh, to do a lot of those jobs. So it's extremely important, but we do got to get it right. I mean, it's a lot of money. And I think what we're going through right now as a council is um, making sure that we do get it right. And uh, we're being prudent uh, with our dollars, and but we do need to build public transit. 
You mentioned one thing, and, and sorry to interrupt, but you mentioned how during the drive-in and the drive-out, those trains are full. Kind of like the bike lane argument, I would assume, as well, is people are have selective vision in some cases when it comes to projects like that, where it's, oh, I saw it when it was empty. And it's obvious that's that's the only way it really is when they choose not to look at it from the standpoint of the, the busier times. Yeah, I mean, uh, public transit, uh, good public transit, reliable public transit remains one of the top priorities for Calgarians in, in all of our polling and door knocking uh, during campaigns. And so this it, building that infrastructure, and again, I, I hear a lot of the argument of, well, with the changes in technology, we're going to have driverless cars. All of the smartest people who are looking at what the future technology of driverless cars are, are still saying you need your skeletal transit network, which is light rail transit, that can move an immense amount of people for the lowest operating cost possible, right? So remember that, well, it's big capital dollars investment. The operating models on buses is, 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 is from a whole range of perspectives, much, much worse. On West LRT, uh, because I actually asked about those numbers, West LRT is hitting the targets that it's supposed to. Um, and uh, I think we, we, we've yet to see, and a part, a part of this is the downturn in the economy, some of the hubs grow around those stations, but the, the, those trains are moving people, and, and, and it's a top priority for Calgarians. Well, there's one a thing, hub right here that we'd like to see developed before too long. It's also cost-effective. Well, Public one, transport is way more cost-effective than the individual automobile. Well, and so if we're talking about an affordable city... You need to invest in public transport. Is it a totally. matter of getting over that that initial sticker shock? Then is taking a look at that price tag and going, okay, yeah, it costs a lot now, but we'll be able to make it back tenfold down it's the line. It's an investment for a hundred years. Yeah, and I think, years. and um, both my colleagues are correct. I mean, it is an investment for the long term for um, everybody who's going to live in the city. Um, but the important thing is the planning has to come along with the transit stations. I mean, we got to do it right. I think some challenges with the West LRT, as a new councillor I've seen, is the planning around some of those stations and having that the buy-in from the community and zoning as we're building those transit lines, not after, um, because that's important to make sure those lines are successful and sustainable for the long run. And we can get transit to the mo- uh, most people as possible. Did we bite off more than we could chew with Green Line as it stood as a massive project as big as it was? Would we have been better off making it into two? Well, I, th- I remember uh, when we began planning, and people are like, well, you've been planning this for seven years. We've actually been looking at this line for about 20, 20 years mm-hmm. plus. Longer, yes. We, one of the pieces that we are putting extra rigor to, and we've done this over the last year especially, is we're living in a different time now. And so all of the questions and challenging, challenging uh, uh, challenges to this project have been good ones because we were began building this project when uh, oil was at $130 a barrel. Times were good. And so times were very good. And I think we have actually, well, it's, it's uh, st- stressed our organization, stressed the team. We have applied a ton of rigor over the last year, particularly to this project. Remember, 40% of overcrowding of buses on this city is on two lines on the North Central. And the huge network in the Southeast, whether it's the hospitals, uh, Quarry Park, a number of those big modal hubs uh, that are have no transit are, are, are really critical pieces to tying those neighborhoods and, uh, and communities into the downtown. And then again, tying them into our BRT network and tying them into the rest of the LRT network. We do, however, have to get the details right. And I'm, I'm particularly concerned about... Uh, uh, how the green line could, as planned today, 
could impact Eau Claire, Chinatown, Crescent Heights. Some of the details that we've seen, early, early details, are, would do a lot of damage to these communities if we don't get it right. We only have a month left before decisions are made, and I'm, I'm concerned about that. Are these new concerns, or they've always, always been there and just haven't been addressed quite yet? When we made a decision that we couldn't go uh, and tunnel through the downtown and then tunnel up Centre Street, that sort of released a number of new issues that haven't been resolved yet. And so the treatment of Centre Street with a green line on it could be very damaging to the businesses along Centre Street. They're really worried, as well as how the bridge impacts Princess Island and lands into Eau Claire. Those details are really the difference between success and failure for those communities. And we're running out of time. How concerned are you three about the the proviso by the province about 90 days out? I, I don't think we can take that risk. No. Yeah, Full steam ahead, I'm essentially. S- got to make it. Got to make it happen. Yeah, and well, no. I think we would have to scale back if if we didn't resolve that clause. Can you imagine if if uh, if we didn't have certainty and we'd already undertaken that risk? Uh, we don't have the flexibility financially to accommodate that extra. If, if the province, cost. if the province insists on putting that in, it would send uh, a very bad signals to the private markets, to the private sector on that. Uh, no deals, no big transit deals by any other orders of government have would have a term like this that would, frankly, uh, turn the private markets off. Joe, uh, city building does not stop, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a priority that we as a council have to, some of the risk we have to mitigate, and, and that's a big challenge. It is. But we still have to think about the future of our city and how we grow and how we move people and how we deal with um, greenhouse gas emissions, and public transit's a great way to do that. Um, and building equity amongst Calgarians. And I think transit has the, the most impact citywide. So that is a challenge. I think it's a challenge we can overcome. And I think um, our, you know, the federal government is very supportive of this initiative. And I think the province will get there as well, uh, I hope. And, um, but we, we have to be clear that we still have to focus on city building for today and for tomorrow. We're going to make some dreams come true here as well. Evan Woolley wants to be a weatherman, so uh, have at her. Tonight, partly cloudy and minus 5. Tomorrow, mainly sunny and 3 degrees. On Saturday, sunny with a mix of cloud, 3 degrees. On Sunday, cloudy and 0 degrees. On Monday, family day, a mix of sun and cloud and 0. Currently in downtown Calgary, it's 1 degree. Ooh, look at him go. I think uh, Haley Charmaine's got her uh, her work cut out for her now all of a sudden. Uh, Evan Woolley, Drew Farrell, and George Chahal joining us. YYC Roundtable. We've got a few more minutes left uh, to talk a little bit about some of the other things that are, are front and center. And Councillor Chahal, I, I wanted to get to your public safety task force because this is something that uh, a lot of people are really taking to heart. You're, you, the, the biggest concern, I think, for a lot of people is when do we hear another case where an innocent bystander is caught in the crossfire? Yeah, that's a concern for all of us, uh, public safety, ensuring we have safe communities. And that's why we've brought this public safety task force forward to collaborate with uh, other orders of government, um, our stakeholders here locally, the Calgary Police Service, Police Commission, and collaborate also with community um, to hear what the community's concerns are so we can bring forward appropriate uh, recommendations, identify gaps that we have to the challenges we're facing today. 
And I think we've uh, had a unanimous uh, vote from council, and I'm very grateful for my colleagues sitting with me here today for their input and support and everybody else who supported this because uh, this is an important issue. We've seen the challenges our cities face for the last number of years with increased violence, and gun violence particularly, and we have to tackle this issue head on. I was talking to the CPA a couple of weeks back, and they said, listen, we're, we're already consulting with different groups. Is there anybody else that might be left out of the current discussions that you think need to be addressed there? Well, this needs to be a multifaceted approach to dealing with this issue. It's a very complex problem, but it involves government as well. The federal government, who has a clear, clear priority in dealing with um, this issue, the provincial government's very supportive as well, and the city and community. That's the best practice and the best way of dealing with issues like this. So uh, working collaboratively, I think we can. There's a number of community stakeholders that have identified uh, myself that have expressed interest with new ideas. And I think we have to think about new ideas and bringing those new ideas forward and not being, you know, focusing just on law enforcement or just on prevention, but bringing it all together and finding out what's the best way forward to make our communities safer uh, for the future. Councillors Willie and Farrell, from your your own community standpoint, what are you guys hearing on sort of that front line from the residents, from the community associations on the crime front? Oh, I, I, they were very excited about this motion because it's a community-based solution. It, it talks about a long-term strategy for prevention. And we're seeing a deterioration in, in the feel of the downtown, the feeling of safety. And, and there are things that the community wants to do in order to improve. So working together, it's essential that we bring our police services together with, with the grassroots to come up with long-term solutions. It's the same with mental health and addiction. It requires a community-based, uh, we need to all be in and providing the solutions to these complex, wicked problems. And, and you know what? It's 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 really important. You know, the downtown is the beating heart of our city, and I represent uh, 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 how about half of that with Councillor Farrell. Uh, the other half, um, we're seeing significant rates of increase in crime, and this is a problem because the accountability uh, needs to come to bear. It's become increasingly difficult again. Maintaining safe and viable uh, communities is municipalities' number one job, and um, our citizens are looking to us to provide the policing resources to keep our citizens safe. And we are seeing some significant challenges across our community. It's difficult when you see the province cutting transfers for policing by, I think, about 30%, while at the same time increasing what uh, is, is important, uh, uh, investments in policing in rural communities. Um, our downtown uh, is incredibly important to the economic uh, success and social success of our city, and uh, I'm very, very worried about uh, about uh, policing the downtown. And this issue is just not a, a downtown issue. It mm-hmm. is an important issue in downtown. It's a citywide issue because we've seen incidents of gun violence happen all over the city. Um, so we can't say it's just one part of the city because it does occur from the west end to the deep south. And the concern also becomes that many of these are targeted, um, but you know where an innocent bystander could get caught in the crossfire, which we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, also, domestic violence and the impact on um, you know in, in those situations. And there's a significant increase of domestic violence in our city as well that we need to tackle. Mm-hmm. Councillors, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for coming in, and uh, all the best as you try to navigate the waters going forward. This has Thank been really you. fun. Thank you.